Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and uh, no football game today. We were expecting Washington Cal kicking off at 7.30, but we are up bright and early, anticipating USC, Arizona State a little bit later. Oregon is Oregon Stanford, correct? Yeah, that's yeah. the last game of the night, I think. No, no uh, Washington State. 4.30, that's right. That's right, 4.30 kickoff. My Washington day. State later tonight, but uh, Washington just, uh, I don't know if they're having practice or what they're doing, but no game because of a positive COVID down at Berkeley. And a lot of frustration listening to John Wilner on with Softy. He said that he had a conversation with Justin Wilcox, and he'd never seen Justin Wilcox so pissed off. But is what it is, I guess, guys. Just uh, Chris, just are you surprised at this at all? Extremely surprised. I mean, the, the the whole idea of the, you know, the tracing and everything else was hopefully to eliminate a lot of these situations. But again, you know, I don't live down in the Bay Area. I don't live in Berkeley. So I'm, I'm not aware of just how strict the, the quarantine protocols are in, in Alameda County or anywhere else down there. So I'm not living it. I mean, I'm not dealing with it i mean we deal with it a lot here in king county for instance but yeah i mean still extremely shocking because um i know you you said you listened to john willard kim i listened to, i listened to justin wilcox talk about it and he felt like they had gone well above the the standards that they were told i mean the thing is is that every pac-12 team went with whatever their county's directives were in terms of tracing, testing, isolation, all the other things that they were recommending. And Wilcox said that they went above and beyond that. Yeah. And so for them to get hung up on some sort of miscommunication between how much time the kids spent together collectively instead of like at one time, I mean, it just, yeah, it's absolutely stunning to me. And it does feel like in the beginning, we felt like, OK, well, if this had happened anywhere else in the Pac-12, the game would be going on. And then now we see that the Arizona-Utah game is off, too. So it, it really is stunning to me. And, Scott, let's be clear. This is not a Pac-12 deal. This is a city of Berkeley deal where if this what happened at Cal had happened at any other school, it looks like the game would have been played. But this is strictly a city of Berkeley issue with their health department. Yeah, and I know that's a bummer for you, Kim, because any – I mean, uh, global warming, Larry Scott's fault. Um, oh, uh, no, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm blaming – I am absolutely 100% blaming Larry Scott on this. You know, what, first thing first, when you take credit for everything, you get blamed for everything as well. And by the way, where is Larry Scott? Where are the statements from Larry Scott? And 
with him and what he did on this testing, he knew this rapid testing was coming. What did they do? He didn't inform the athletic directors. He didn't inform the schools because he wanted that spotlight all to himself. And he cost the Pac-12 two to three weeks easily that the season could have been started back then and put a little bit of wiggle room. But instead, there isn't any. Where was Larry Scott campaigning to, you know, the national guys to uh, put the bowl games out further, to put the national championship game out there? So, yeah, I'm blaming Larry Scott, yeah. Scott. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Larry Scott can be blamed for a lot of things in, in this and why this is a messed up situation, why, like you said, there's no wiggle room. But like you said, Kim, this is all city of Berkeley. I think it's county of Alameda um, making these decisions and basically telling Cal and Washington they can't play. Some have suggested that maybe they should have figured out a way to get Cal up to Washington to play at Husky Stadium. That just wasn't going to happen. So, you know, I I mean, logistically, it just couldn't happen. That's why they couldn't play Arizona, who had their game canceled, like we mentioned earlier, with Utah. So, yeah, you know, kind of going back to your question that you had for Chris, does this surprise him? And he said yes, and I guess just because of my my pessimism in the way 2020 has gone, nothing surprises me anymore <laughs> with the way this this year has gone. I, I just uh, until foot meant uh, foot met uh, leather on Saturday night, 7:30 in Berkeley. I I was skeptical that we would even see a game this weekend. I knew something was going to go wrong. I didn't think it would necessarily be with the Huskies, but uh, you know the Huskies and, and Cal. But I, I had a feeling the Pac-12 wouldn't end up playing their full slate of games this weekend. And, of course, that came to fruition. Not that I'm a Mr. Soothsayer or anything like that. Just my, being pessimistic about this situation. And, and this is this conference was forced into one of the schools, um, at least from a president from the president's office and, and the commissioner. There was no... Uh, there was no really will to get this season started. So it seems like, and look, I, I don't know all the ins and outs. I know Jen Cohen wanted to play. I know that all the football team at the University of Washington wanted to play and the coaches and all that. And from everything that I've heard from my different contacts around the conference, that the the teams and the and the ADs were all in on getting this thing played and getting it done. But I just this this conference was so pessimistic about ever wanting to play football that I, I just had a feeling that they would try and figure out ways not to play. And I don't I don't know if that's where where we're at yet, but because this is obviously a city of Berkeley thing, but it's just frustrating to to wait and anticipate for for the last month and a half that this was when we were going to get started. And then to have it the rug pulled out from underneath us just was brutal. We do our damnedest to keep political stuff off the boards and not to talk politics, but it just sure seems like there's some political stuff that goes on down in Cal, down in Berkeley. And, uh, you know, as far as the president's not wanting to play the season, you know, I think that was the initial response until they saw some of the budgets and uh, athletics directors started going to the uh, upper campuses and, you know, saying, look, you know, this is going to bleed us dry. And I think that was a big impetus to get things on the roll. But, 
You know, Chris, do you, with like I said, you know, I, I blame Larry Scott for a lot of things. But um, do you think Larry Scott could actually survive everything that's gone on this year? And like and, and where is he? Where's the statement from Larry Scott? You know, maybe somebody locked him up in the house, which is probably the smartest thing that Larry's done in a while. Well, I'm assuming that the Larry Scott is sitting back and, and letting the statements coming from the conference speak for themselves. I mean, I don't know what else he could possibly add to it. Um, the two things that I will say about this is that there is, again, I will absolutely 100% agree with you, Kim, that his failure to communicate what was going on with Quadell and the testing regimen that was going to happen cost this conference weeks that they could have absolutely used. And we're, we're not even talking about in hindsight. We're talking about as it was happening, we were like, what? We're finding out that they knew about this already and he didn't do anything. I mean, that's that's inexcusable. The athletic directors found out an hour before it was announced. It's a an hour before it was it's announced. a failure of leadership on many levels that that type of miscommunication or lack of communication is stunning for, for someone who's getting paid that much money. That being said, they probably understood at the at the levels they were dealing with. That these counties, whether we're talking about Alameda County or we're talking about the county in Salt Lake City, whether we're talking about King County, whether we're talking about, you know, L.A. County, whatever, doesn't matter. All the counties involved in the Pac-12 footprint, they probably saw some of this coming. And I think that may have, in hindsight, does that tell us that maybe that was one of the reasons they were reticent to talk about putting this season together? Because maybe they saw this coming. And the problem is... This is simply going to embolden that type of thought, right? This is going to tell them, see, we told you so. We told you this was coming. It's, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you add the flu season to it. You add all this other stuff. You see the COVID numbers going up nationally. And now all of a sudden the Pac-12 guys are going to go, well, we tried to get it going for you guys, but we knew, you know, they're going to, they're going to act like they knew this was going to happen all along. And unfortunately, that kind of thinking is what's going to keep the Pac-12 behind the rest of the co- of the country in terms of the Power Five conferences. I'm real big on, uh, you know, not uh, if it happened yesterday, there's nothing we can do about it. We got to look forward. If you're looking back, you're dying. If you're looking ahead, you're living life. And living life, we've got Oregon State next Saturday, another eight o'clock game. But uh, at least we have something to look forward to next week. With uh, I think. You know, we have probably have a really good chance of that game happening. And plus, with the positive test that's come out at uh, UCLA, um, Cal, and the problems down at Utah, it's probably a wake-up call for a lot of the teams that, you know, hey, we've got to quarantine even tighter, but we've got a game coming up. And just getting back to a little bit of football, last night had a chance. I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch the BYU-Boise State game. Did either one of you have a chance to watch that? I, I watched uh, probably the first half, I think. Yeah, watched a little bit of it. Not not the whole thing. I mean, once once it got to halftime and it looks like it looked like the result was fairly done. I mean, it obviously no game's over until it's over, but it looked like BYU had a pretty good handle on it. Yeah, I was looking forward to watching that game with Jack Sears, quarterback for Boise State, and Zach Wilson, who's projected to be a um, fourth quarterback taken off the board, third or fourth quarterback in the draft and uh, at BYU. But Jack Sears on a quarterback sneak, uh, 
Danger run on the quarterback sneak. Middle linebacker comes in and just tries to stuff it, hits him in the head. So Jack Sears was out the game. But, uh, boy, those dark blue uniforms, well, those dark blue or almost black uniforms black, on that black, on that, yeah. on that turf, it was reminiscent of uh, Bellevue High School back in the day trying to hide the football in their uniforms. But uh, uh, pretty good football. Pretty good maybe, football game last Jim, night. I was going to say, maybe, you know, when it comes to Sears's play specifically, I mean, why isn't that being reviewed for targeting? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, to me, I understand it's a pile up and it's hard to, but when you know, I was watching the 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 Fox replay on it, it was clear as day it was the middle linebacker, it was forty one that just came in and just absolutely just put his head in there, yeah. and it was just helmet to helmet, just flat out clear as day. Yeah. You know, officiating, it's hard to see everything, you know, for those who've never been down on the sidelines or underneath a basketball hoop, you know, when you're a lot of the times it's like standing on one side of the street of a four lane highway and uh, what you're trying to see is across the way and you've got cars crossing and you don't see everything. You get screened out and officials obviously miss things. But, uh, you know, the guys up in the booth for Boise State, I'm a little surprised that they didn't, you know, call for anything because that next play and Boise state had the ball, you know, they got that off a little quick. It seemed like, but yeah, I thought it should have been targeting. Well, but, if, I, if I was Brian Harson, I would have called, I would have called the timeout and, you know, tried, you know, did one of those kind of targeted timeouts, not no pun intended, but kind of one of those timeouts to kind of give them time to say, Hey, wait a second. Don't you guys want to take a second look? I mean, my, my quarterback's out here staggering to get to the sideline. He clearly got, is bell wrong bell wrong yeah. you guys don't you guys want to take a look to see how that you know kind of happened i mean i don't know to me obviously in hindsight 2020 and all that but even i was looking at it when he was going there in the time and he was going into the their little medical tent you could tell he was absolutely woozy i mean there was no doubt about it so how how, how could you not understand that when you're on the field it seems odd to me. Yeah. Um, USC, Arizona State coming up at 9 o'clock Saturday morning. Looking forward to finally getting that season up to start. USC always loaded with talent. Herm Edwards seems to have um, Arizona State on a little bit of a roll. Anything to take note of there, Scott? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just interested to see what year two in, with the air raid offense uh, is like at, you know, USC what what's Keaton Slovis going to look like and you know they they've got a lot of talent down there their defense is really what held them back last season and and um they're going to have to hope that they can keep Slovis 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 healthy sorry I can't my getting a little tongue tied here but um you know I think their defense is going to be the key if if USC's defense can hold teams to 20 to 23 24 points a game then USC is probably the odds-on favorite to win this conference with what they have coming back. But I think that's a big question mark with what's going on down at USC and, and how they play. And Clay Helton always seems to find a way to lose a game that he's not his team is not supposed to lose. So, um, you know, and you know what really surprised me, and I know we're going to get to this in a second, but just how, I mean, John Canzano picking Stanford over Oregon? Really? Well, yeah, Chris, you know, with that game, Stanford, Oregon, um, Oregon with a new quarterback, of course. And we're going to get a chance to see Oregon's loaded with talent. Um, Can they play together? Because there's still a lot of question marks out there with a lot of people on Mario Cristobal um, ability to coach. He made a lot of mistakes his first couple of years at Oregon. 
and uh, obviously loaded with talent. How much has he learned? And I think it's going to be an interesting game with David Shaw, Chris. Well, it's going to be a really interesting game. And uh, the only thing that I mean, I didn't read Kanzano's article, but, um, you know, it is interesting that the media, the national media especially, are giving Oregon a lot of credit for basically having to replace a huge chunk of their offense. When you're talking about the quarterback, you're talking about essentially most of their offensive line. I mean, because they lost, what, three seniors along the offensive line, and then Panay Sewell goes on top of it. Four seniors. You know, four seniors, actually. Four, yeah, so it's, you know, they, they had, they had, they're losing a ton and ton of guys. Now, they've got a ton of skill guys that they can lean on a little bit. I mean, they've got a great receiver core. And they've got two really good running backs coming back, at least. Well, probably more like three if you add uh, Habibi Likio. But, you know, it's it's still that, – that they're getting a lot of credit for having so many unknowns on the offensive uh, – especially on the offensive line, you know, because that's going to drive this whole thing. So I, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. But it's not like Stanford's coming back and they're going to be a huge powerhouse. Yeah. I think that was the thing that probably was the most confusing thing about Gonzano. And what I had heard that he had picked them was like, why is Stanford all of a sudden going to be some, some great thing, especially on the road? I mean – you know, I guess we got to get out of this notion of home and and, and road things in 20 this year at least. Because, yeah. Um, but still, it seems it, it's not like uh, it's not like it's not like that's going to be that foreign to Stanford either. Right. Because we're all we've all copped on Stanford's fans and, and their lack of attendance for years. I mean, it's you know playing in front of nobody. I mean, that's that's going to probably maybe that's that's what he's thinking. Maybe playing in front of nobody is right in Stanford's wheelhouse. I don't know. Something else to keep an eye on with the um, all-conference team, the uh, preseason all-conference team, right tackle for Stanford, uh, Foster Sorrell, second team, so something to keep an eye on there. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, later on tonight, Washington State, uh, Nick Rolovich uh, hits the field. So, excuse me. Looking forward to seeing um, how much different that Washington State offense is, Scott, and then with his quarterback, he, he'll be starting a freshman out of St. Louis High School, who yeah. uh, Nick Rolovich has had a long relationship with. So I think that's going to be real interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, Delara, um, you know, that guy was a big-time quarterback coming out of – I mean, you talk about St. Louis High School. That's where uh, two of Tongo Vailoa was from. And, and you know, this guy kind of took over I, – I don't know if he took over for him, but he, he basically – took over the offense and, you know, led them to a state title. And, and uh, he's looked really good in camp, according to those uh, who, who have been reporting on, on Washington state. And, you know, I, I basically Rolovich is probably just saying, Hey, I've got one year where the, the score, the scores, the record really doesn't matter as much. I, I need to find a quarterback who I can stick with. And I think that's one of the interesting things that we need to that. And that's probably why the decision was made to go with a freshman, true freshman in order, you know, like just saying, Hey, this guy is the guy I brought in. 
I knew him from when I was at Hawaii. I like him a lot. I think he's got the smarts and all this. But more than anything, it's that Rolovich can roll with him, for lack of a better term, uh, over the next four or five years and or four years. And the kid can the kid can be an extension of Rolovich on the on the on the uh, field when he's out there. And, and I think that's why he decided to go with the freshman instead of maybe some of the more experienced guys. St. Louis high school, you're the starting quarterback at St. Louis high school. That's a big time program. They've put a lot of players through that program. And the one I, um, Timmy Chang, remember Timmy Chang, Chris? Sure. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, I, you know, this, this, this guy and, and like, uh, Fatui Tuatale, you know, they, they know each other very well. And, I think it's there's no doubt to me this feels like Rolovich's kind of Jake Browning moment, you know, if he was, you know, when, with Chris Peterson going with the true freshman and kind of rolling with him and knowing that there there may be some lumps early that they're going to take, but in the long run, not only is he probably the best fit even now for him, but that uh, they're going to really benefit from that going forward. But my question has always been about Washington State: Are they going to stop anybody? I mean. Are they going to stop anybody? It's just that simple. I mean, we all know that Washington State has had some incredible offenses over the years, and obviously with air raid, it was nothing but numbers and you know quarterbacks throwing for five thousand yards a year and what have you. But they they, they couldn't stop a runny nose. I mean, it's just so that's what it's always going to come down to me when we're talking about the Cougars. When and it's start- not like it's not like Rolovich had defenses at Hawaii that were stopping anybody either. So. I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay very skeptical of anything that happens over there until they find a way to stop people. Period. You stop, you stop an upperclassman, you're going in win now mode. But when you start the pure freshman as a first year coach, you're in building mode, where that's the perception. I think you get a little bit longer leash. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch the Washington State game. And not a lot of news coming out of Washington since you know the game has been canceled, and we don't have a lot of updates for you. Um, haven't had a chance. We talked to Jimmy Lake probably two hours before the game was canceled. So uh, not a lot out of Washington on this whole deal. So not a lot to update you there uh, before we end this, making it short. Uh, Scott, anything else we need to talk about? Anything else you want to add? Um, you know, I, I, I do like that Jimmy has basically said, hey, let's get the uh, season started right and, and start it in Husky Stadium. Um, Chris, I saw your tweet about that. That is he hinting at something? Obviously, that isn't the case because we would be covering the Washington Arizona game if that was the case. But um, you know, I, I think they're looking forward to starting off uh, the season against Oregon State next week, and that's going to be a battle of two of Chris Peterson's uh, uh, offensive coordinator or two coordinators. The offensive coordinator, Jonathan Smith. And the defensive coordinator, Jimmy Lake, facing off with each other. They faced off with each other in practice for years, and now they're going to face off against each other in a real game. And it's going to be uh, kind of – there's a lot of storylines in next week's game, and that's that's one of the things I'll, I'm looking forward to next week. Chris, any final thoughts, anything else you want to bring up? Um, yeah, just a couple things. I mean, first of all, I am looking forward to the Washington State-Oregon State game tonight. Because that's going to tell me one thing. That's going to tell me that Oregon State is doing what they need to do to stay healthy, which makes me more confident that they're going to be ready to come up and play here in Seattle. So that that's one thing. If so, as long as that game goes off tonight, I'm I'm going to be real happy. 
not I don't really care about the result of the game, but the fact that Oregon State's taking the field and they're playing, that tells me that they're one step closer to like saying, look, we're we're ready to go here. The other thing is, is that I think after the stuff that happened in Berkeley and Salt Lake City, that every single team is on red alert when it comes to whatever their local health authorities are. So yeah, just don't report stuff. I would, I I'd be stunned if Jen Cohen and and the and the AD and 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 all the you know whether it's Rob Scheidegger, the the trainer and the, and the medical people at Washington aren't you know aren't best buddies with their counterparts at the King County Health Authority because you know they're the ones that are going to ultimately decide this thing if for some reason something goes south and there's a positive test um they're the ones that are going to have to make that decision so it's not like i want to put the fear of god any any into anybody or, or that kind of stuff i'm just saying this is going to place a premium on communication and making sure everyone's on the same page because if they're not we could see what we could see what happened in berkeley easily happen in seattle if you didn't get a chance, um, I know that the game didn't get played, but had a chance to talk to Jackson Moore. He's the publisher for um, Bear Territory, as well as the Fresno State site. Had an interesting conversation with Jackson. Um, he talked a little bit about Jay Kaner, which was interesting. But, you know, Cal's going to be a player throughout the rest of the season if they can get these games in. But he was able to break down Cal, um, real interesting stuff from him, and break uh, down the Cal team as good as anybody. So if you're interested and you're just a Pac-12 conference guy and you want an easy listen breakdown of what's going on at Cal, um, that's a good listen. Just a reminder – yeah. Also, just real quick, I want to add to that, that um, I am going to put out um, the five questions that I asked Jackson about Cal to add to that. So we'll have more on that today. And I know people are sick and tired of hearing about Cal already. But again, they are going to hopefully play some games this year. And, and if push comes to shove, there is a chance that Washington and California could end up seeing each other like on December 19th, for instance, if, yeah. if that happens, you know, if that has to happen. Yeah. if they have to make that game up. So uh, I'm going to put that out as well as Pat Thraps by the numbers so that people will get an idea um, of, of kind of how they would have matched up. Um, so there's, there's that stuff going as well. If you're, if you're looking for those daily updates and breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, Husky stadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter. We will get you hooked up football. At least we're going to be able to watch some PAC 12 football today and we will have everything covered for oregon state next week so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with chris fetter scott eckland go dogs when you have sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen